in verses 7 to 15, we find that, again, we have that commandment to love one another. And again, as through the, the chapters we've read so far, we'll find the source of love. And we'll also find all that we need in it, in, in here, um, that we are able to love one another. Not perfectly, however, but to be able to love one another more and more whilst we are here on this earth. This is all found in these few verses. So let us begin, first of all, in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. The question is, for all of us today, are we, in fact, loving one another as the Lord commands us to do in verse 7 here. Are we in fact loving one another as we should? Are we loving one another as we have been called to do so? So John has spoken of this subject several times in, in this letter, so far in the first four chapters, and he's returning to it once again. He's exhorting, he's commanding the Christians to love one another. As we discussed briefly uh, a few weeks ago, we'll be reminded again ourselves this morning what we must know about love, about true biblical love. What does it mean to love one another in a biblical manner? So we're just going to have a, a quick look through uh, some passages to show, show us the outworking of what it means to love one another, how we are to behave towards one another in love. And it's for those who confess Christ as their saviour. Because how we love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is different of how we love those in the world. The outworking of that love is different. So we're not we're not going to be turning through scripture. I'm just going to be quickly giving a, a summary of some of the verses where it shows how we have to behave towards one another in love. Mark 9.50 shows that we are to have peace with one another. We are to, to, to live at peace and not to be at war, not to argue and provoke one another. Galatians 5.26 states that also. It says, look, we are not to provoke one another or envy one another. Ephesians 4.2 shows that we are to bear with one another. And again, in Ephesians 4.32, we are to be kind-hearted towards one another. Colossians 3.13 again shows that we are to bear with and to forgive one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, we are not to repay evil for evil. If somebody sins against us, we are not to um, sin back. We are not to um, go against them out of anger for the evil that they have done to us. James 4.11 says we are not even to speak evil of one another. James 5.16 says we are to confess our sins to one another. So all of these verses gives us an overall picture of how we are to love one another, how we are to interact with one another in love. It's the outworking, the practical picture that we are given here shows how we are to love. But how we how we are how are we to apply these scriptures to the different situations that we may find ourselves in? Because we could apply one scripture wrongly thinking we are doing what is right 
in love. For example, if somebody were to approach us and say, look, I've been told by God, God has told me in my mind that I should do a certain thing. It could be to to leave a partner or, or to do something that is not right, to have a relationship with a non-believer or to do something that is, is not right. They may say, oh, God has told me to do this. If we were to take what Mark said in 950 and we could think to ourselves, well, I want to be at peace with this person. But if I were to say to them, what I think you have said is, is wrong and is actually not of God, but is of Satan, then that would not cause peace. Well, it may cause peace if they repent. But if we, if they were to react in anger, it may cause uh, there to be a break in the relationship. But that would be wrongly applying that scripture. We'd be better going to Romans fifteen fourteen, where we are called to admonish one another. That is to warn, to show that what someone is doing wrong. You see, it would be unloving to the person not to correct them. It would be unloving to allow them to destroy their lives and hurt so many people including the reputation of Christ. It would be a terrible witness. So how and when we apply these scriptures, we will look at shortly. We know the truth of the scriptures. We know that in the word of God, we find his commands and the times and places um, that we are, are to fulfill them and to attempt to keep them. But they do not cover directly every situation we will face. They give us principles And we must apply them in the correct manner, with the correct heart. And this is how we love rightly. So as stated, every situation we face will be different. But the principles and and, and the commands we have in scripture are sufficient. They are sufficient for everything we will face. And it's just about what aspect of scripture we use, how we are to apply them. So in terms of loving one another... The outworking of that will be different for, for each of us in different situations. We'll be applying different aspects of, uh, of scripture for different people in different ways. And this is another reason why as believers we are to be close with one another. We are to know one another as a family. But we'll come back to this shortly, um, uh, looking at how we are to one, love one another, how we are to apply these different commands in order to, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're doing this because, first of all, we must see what the Lord has blessed us with in order to help us to seek to love one another. However imperfectly that may be, the Lord will help us more and more to grow and grow in love for one another. However imperfectly we work, <coughs> we have that in our outworking. But first of all, we must know where the source of love comes from. This is because definitions matter. We must know what the definition of true love is. We know what it is when we look to scripture, but we must also understand the one and know the one who has defined love for us. So in verse 7, we have seen the command directly to love one another. But but the second part of verse 7 into verse 8 gives us the source of true love. So we're just going to pick up now in the second half of verse 7 into verse 8. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So we see love is of God, and God is loved. 
Sandwiched between these two statements is the truth that those who love one another are of God and those who hate or do not love one another are not. You see, love is from God. So if you love, you are of him. And if you do not, then you are not of him. And this is because we find love in God. So John is reminding us here that we cannot conjure up this biblical love, this love of God in and of ourselves. It's not something that we have the power to do. Yes, a non-believer can show care and consideration to others. I'm sure before we came to Christ, we did show care and love, uh, what we thought was love, to maybe family or friends. But unless we know the God of the Bible, it will not be true love. That is because of what we have read, that God is love and love is from God. So because God is love, therefore by his nature, he defines what love is. And in the Trinity, we find perfect love. We find love between Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In Mark 1 verse 11, we see the love between the Father and the Son. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So in this verse, God declares his love for his Son. There is love in the Trinity. Before the world existed, love was there. Love existed. Because God is love. The result of that is that love will never change. Because God never changes. So when we see the definition of love, when we see the outworking of love in the scriptures, when we see and know and understand that God is love, that definition of love will never change because God never changes. And that is quite opposite to what we see in the world. When the world proclaims that they love in a certain way, that changes over time. We have this saying now that love is love. Any form of love is fine. Unless you reject that form of love and then you're not loving. And again, the, 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 um, the, the foundation changes. The foundation goes away because the definition of love changes. But only in God do we know what true love is and it is eternal and true and right. So in the Trinity, as we know, as we have seen, there is love between Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that love has been revealed to us. So how has God revealed this love to, to us? Well, we go into verse 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So God's love has been shown to us through the Father sending his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. This love that God has shown us was not because we loved him first, but because he loved us. And we see this in him sending his Son, Jesus Christ. And we know God loves us. We know that God loves the elect because Christ has died for us. Now this love 
should not be mistaken with God's grace and care to the world. The care that provides food and water, sun and rain. This is all the providential care of God. But the love that we are looking at now, the love that John is speaking of, is for the elect and the elect alone. You see, this love was there before the foundation of the world. This love of God toward the believer was there before we were born. Love is the reason for Christ being sent. We read in Luke verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Christ came to seek those who were of the elect and came to save them. He was sent, and this is because of love. So what did Christ do in order to seek and save? Well, first of all, he took on human flesh. John 6, 38, Christ states that he came down from heaven to do the will of the Father. So out of love, Christ came from heaven and became flesh. That he, that being that he was fully man, fully God. So in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ can sympathise with us because he suffered in this world. He suffered the things of this fallen world. He is hungered. He has been thirsty. He has had nowhere to live. He has endured slander and gossip. He has suffered persecution. He has been mocked. He has been rejected. He has been tortured. And he has been murdered. And Christ knew what was to come. Yet out of his love, he still came. Out of love towards the Father and to us, he would suffer and die. The scripture shows that he would become the lamb that was slain. Like a sheep led to the slaughter, he did not fight, but went willingly to the cross. He would be the propitiation for our sins. So through his blood, we are redeemed. Our sins are forgiven and our standing before God is not one of a filthy sinner, but of a righteous saint. Because by Christ's blood, we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. So Christ did what we cannot do. He fulfilled the demands of the law. Even in his sufferings and under the weight of suffering, he remained sinless. He did the will of the Father and kept his commandments. Therefore, his love was revealed to us. And that is why we can live through him. So John is saying, herein is love. That, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So in Christ, by grace, we can partake of the love of the Trinity. The Father loves us because we are in Christ. We are in his beloved Son. This love towards us is born of grace. It is nothing that we deserve. So the love that God has for his Son, we know and we can enjoy by this grace. Because we are in Christ. Because we have received the gift of faith and trust in Christ as our saviour. This is how we know the love of God and how we know and can understand that God is indeed love. It has been shown to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then this helps us to to follow through and, and look into verse 11. So in the light of the truth that we've just read in verse 9 and 10, and understanding that the command in verse 7, that we are to love one another, 
we can now make sense of the following verses. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So God has loved us, we know, because we are in Christ and have been given the gift of faith. Now the reaction to this, to this truth, is that we are able to love one another. This should be a natural outworking, because we are in Christ. Understanding the love of Christ, knowing the love of Christ, being a recipient of the love of Christ, should lead us to love one another. Yes, first and foremost, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. For he he is the author of love, and therefore should be our object of love. We should be looking at him to love. He is the one that we love the most. But he has called us to worship him. He has called us to do what what he asks us to do. And part of that is loving one another. We find the command to love one another is always linked to God. God is love. God loves us. Therefore, we ought to love one another. So where God is present in a believer, there will certainly be love. For example, if we were to light a fire in our fireplace at home and there was bright orange flames and the wood was clearly burning, if we were to get close, we would expect to feel heat. It would be the natural occurrence of the fire. But if we were to draw close and there was no flame, and there was no heat but flame, we would deny that this was a real fire. It is the same for a, for a, for a believer. If we have faith in Christ and are loved by God, then there will be a fire burning in us and it will be seen by our love for one another. At times the flames may be small, so small that they may be hard to see and not much heat coming from them, but they will be there. And that is because we know and understand the love of God. Our eyes have been opened to this truth. So now in the middle of all this, John, uh, John is speaking of love. We come to a statement that almost doesn't seem to fit. And we find this in verse 13, where he states that no man has seen God at any time. But what does this statement have to do with love? Well, it needs to be taken in context with verse 13 as well. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know, <clears throat> hereby know we that we dwell in him and to he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. So what John is saying in verse 12 is linked to verse 13, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. John is saying that no one has seen God, but if we love one another, the Holy Spirit is at work in us. God's love will be seen in our lives. Although we have not seen the spirit who dwells in us, we do see his work in our lives. We see God's love being perfected in us. That meaning that we are maturing in our love for one another. As we are being sanctified, our love will grow and develop. We will love one another more and more. The first first epistle of Peter, chapter 1, verse 2, states that we are sanctified through the spirit. It says, we are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit 
unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So there, Peter is saying that we are the elect and through the sanctification of the, the, the Spirit, we'll be obedient towards God. We'll be more and more obedient. Now, it's only through the, the work of the Holy Spirit that we have the ability to love. We see this in Galatians five twenty two to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So if we love one another, then that is the evidence that the Spirit is at work. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. So again, we go back to verse 7. Are we loving one another as we should? Do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we do all that was commanded in the verses that we looked at? Are we loving biblically? Are we seeking to harm one another? Are we doing the opposite of what we have been called to do? Is God dwelling in us? Are we in Christ? Is the Spirit dwelling in us, as verse 13 assured us? Now, if the answer is no, not at all, then verse 14 and 15 are essential, uh, is essential for you. If our answer is, I'm not loving as I should be, then verse 14 and 15 are just as essential to us as well. But before we go there, let's just recap. At the beginning, verse 7, we've had that command to love one another. John has laid out then all that we need in order to seek to honour that command. He's revealed to us the author of love, which is God. He's made it clear that only those who know God can love can love biblically. And he's revealed to us how God has shown his love to us. And that is by sending his son, Christ, to die on the cross. John has then made it clear that if we indeed do show love towards one another, then God does dwell in us. And we know this because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. So in God's love, the Father sent the Son. The Son paid the price for our sins so that we are righteous in the Father's eyes. And he has given us the ability to love one another because we have the Holy Spirit and he produces the fruit of love in us. So, in all of that that we have just read, we can trust and believe because of what we are about to read in verses 14 and 15. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. So John has seen and bears witness to the fact that Christ has come. John testifies and bears witness to that wonderful truth. Christ has come to save the lost and in doing so those who are saved will know the perfect love of God. And and John here is saying I have witnessed Christ. I have seen Christ. We have seen and can testify that the Father has sent his son. So, brothers and sisters, we are called to love one another. John has revealed this to us all. He's shown that we have been, what we have been given in order for us to grow in love for one another. For the Father has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. That whoever confesses and believes that Jesus in, is indeed the son of God and that he is the only way of salvation 
then God dwells in them and they in him. Because in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. Sin is no longer our master or our Lord. In Christ, with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we are no longer helpless in our pursuit to love one another rightly. We are no longer enslaved to hatred and selfishness. We have a new Lord. We have a new King. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and he has called us to seek holiness and to pursue love. He has also given us the means to do that. So right at the start, when we looked at how we are to love one another, And how we would need wisdom in how to do that biblically. We've seen that we have the Holy Spirit and we have the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will bring to mind what what we know of love in the scriptures. And he will help us to apply these in our lives. It is our duty to read the scriptures, to study the scriptures, to know Christ more and more. And the Holy Spirit will bring understanding to what we read. So now we have a good and true hope that when we do indeed pursue biblical love, we have all that we need to do this in Christ. For when through the gift of faith we dwell in Christ, by grace we partake in the love of our wonderful God. And God's love will never fail, it will never fade, it will never weaken, and we will never be separated from the love of God. So, brothers and sisters, we are commanded to love one another. We are to seek the benefit of one another. Where we fall short, we do have hope. We turn to Christ and we know that through his, his word and the work of the Holy Spirit, we can love one another more and more, increasingly so. Though it may not be perfect and not always, we have the hope and the joy that in Christ We can love one another as we have been called to do. And we see the love of Christ, that it will never fade. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.